guys asked me what my perfect night would be, I told them the truth. Beer and board games. They thought I was kidding. I was not kidding. Ladies and gentlemen, you know what time it is. You know what that song means. I vaguely know what it means. It's time for another hour or so of the Personal Arrogance Podcast, brought to you this week by myself, Aaron Hubbard, and my guest host, Jim. Jim Jones. It is absolutely brought to you by Bald Move this week. Yes, that's right. Uh, Signed, sealed, delivered. The uh, boys, I don't know. It's, uh, Jesse got married. I guess that's okay. Eric was uh, pleading fourth fatigue. Uh, so uh, we stepped up, and uh, hopefully uh, we'll carry you through this week of personal arrogance. It's. I, th- I it's, think it's, uh, you know, so when they've been talking about this battle between our podcast for a long time. <laughs> yeah, I think I, it's funny that on Independence Day, the day that they should be podcasting about how fuck you guys we're going to start our own network we're forging out on our own <laughs> we're actually conducting their podcast i think that's awesome it would basically like if we had some giant national fourth of july uh party and it was like dj'd by the queen of england right <laughs> exactly exactly yeah they can talk I, I, they can talk all they want about how they won the war and subsume the empire or whatever, but uh, 4th of July, <laughs> we're hosting your podcast, boys. Yeah, Bill Pullman would be ashamed. <laughs> oh, God, that, that that's that's nice joke, Jim. Very, oh, very rarely do you catch me off guard like that, but uh, <laughs> uh, how was your week, man? Oh, uh, my, my week is always busy with work. Uh, we finished up our Mad Men podcast, and doing the falling skies thing so it's been busy with work and podcasting i gotta say i'm i'm feeling really good because i got done with the silly season of two podcasts a week uh largely unscathed and it's we're heading into like a four or five week hiatus which is going to be not really a hiatus because we're going to be doing a lot of uh you know fulfilling kickstarter rewards and and uh planning on our bigger and badder breaking good season uh i'm gonna be marathoning some uh, Breaking Bad to get prepped for that, but uh, I'm feeling feeling pretty relaxed, feeling pretty good. Good. It's uh, weird you... talking about our personal lives because that's kind of like something we tried not to do on the other casts. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a different vibe on this cast, which it, I like. It is. It is. But you've uh, got the the uh, ultimate question: What are you drinking? Doesn't look like you're drinking anything. I'm actually drinking Third Shift Lager. It's kind of oh, lame. Okay. But this was kind of short notice, and I didn't have time to go get uh, my craft beer, my craft beer on. What you drinking? Gotcha. Uh, well, you know I'm not a beer guy, um, right? I, well, with exception of a few beers, uh, don't have any of those around today. Instead, I'm drinking uh, the good old Mad Men Fallback Canadian Club. No, oh. uh, not not terrible. I actually have a bottle of Gentleman Jack up on my fridge, mm-hmm. but I don't like it as well as the cheaper canadian club well and the like i think there's a 15 or 18 year canadian club that's that's uh, no slouch honestly yeah yeah i i don't know how many years this one is but 
I don't know. I like it better than Gentleman Jack. That's for sure. Uh, question. Do you have a dedication for this week? A dedication. Uh, can we dedicate it to ourselves? Because that would be the <laughs> that would be the cherry on top, right? All right, we are dedicating the episode <laughs> one fifty two of the Personal Arrogance Podcast. I think I got the number right. If not, yep, who gives did. a sh- who gives a shit really? Uh, we are dedicating it to ourselves, <laughs> to the to the classic Blue Yonder crew of Jim and Aaron. Yep, awesome. I love it. We um, are kind of pressed for time this week, so we're not going to do any listener feedback. Plus, I feel like uh, that would really be treading on some holy ground. So instead, I thought we'd skip right to our tiny, little tiny Matt Roloff and get into our topics. I'm using the Dungeons & Dragons official dice roller at Um, wizards.com. So I'm rolling now, and I got a 17. All right, uh, I'm going to roll one right now. 13. Looks like you're the man. Oh, wow. Um, okay, now I actually have to uh, think of a topic and talk about it. Um, so <laughs> one thing that I have been thinking about ever since I saw, I think it was a Nova or it was a Discovery Channel, but it was something about uh, humans and faster and light travel and you know how they always do like the fantastic, like, well, you could do this or you could do that or this is possible, that's possible. And then every science show, the last 10 minutes, they pour a bucket of cold water, uh, basically saying, yeah, that's probably not going to happen. It's impossible. You can't go faster than light. Sure, uh, sure. One of the alternatives that they just kind of dashed off for 30 seconds was the concept of a generational starship. Are you familiar with the concept? Sure. Yeah, that's where you send out a ship that's designed to travel for multiple generations of human beings. Yeah, at, at slower, significantly slower than light uh, speed travel. So, like, say, you know, it might take a thousand years to get to a star system twenty light years away, right? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe longer. So, you have to have a starship capable of feeding, clothing, housing, not just one, but multiple generations of people. And I started thinking about let's well, let's be honest, clothing optional, right? I mean, you yeah. can't justify the extra weight. Well, what's we're going to get? We're going to get to that. We're going to get oh, to the societal okay. implications because, like, the most uh, for, leaving aside whether it's possible or not to actually do something like that, it seems to me that the first generation and the last generation are the only people that are actually important in this whole experiment. All the middle generations. You don't remember leaving Earth, and you're not going to have a hope of seeing the destination. So what would that – what is the societal implications of being one of those in-between generations that doesn't really matter except to live and die entirely for the furtherance of a future generation? Okay, so are we talking about logistics here? Like how would you pull this off? Because if that's the case, then we need – then I, I want to say – those middle generations don't understand what's going on. They're like, remember in Star Trek Insurrection where they had the uh, cloaking uh, ship yeah. that they put all those people onto and they thought that it was their home planet and they right. were just going to transport them off? Right. You'd have to do something like that to where people didn't either didn't realize that they were on a ship or at least didn't know the, why they were there. Because mm. otherwise, why would they? why would they contribute to that? Well, see, I'm trying to think of so, – so you need methods of control. Um, that number one, do you think society could evolve into such a way that, that's in a completely altruistic sense that they would see a, a sense of a duty and mission in just caretaking the next generations to <laughs> arrive at a planet? 
it seems like that's risking an awful lot. It is, and I think uh, maybe a moral question that comes up is you'd probably have to do some pruning of, mm. the, of the people, of the generations in the middle, right? Well, yeah, like, plus— There will inevitably be people who say, no, fuck this. I want to land this thing. I want to get on a planet and just live my life. Right. Uh, so that is one consideration. There's a couple ways you can kind of mediate that. You're, you're one is kind of like a sleight of hand, right? You're going to use holodeck technology or whatnot to fool people into thinking that 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 they're actually either already on the planet or they're arriving on the planet or whatnot. My question is, don't you still need a nucleus of people that are actually running shit? I mean, you need your professional classes, you need your technical classes, you need your engineers that actually kind of know what the hell's going on so they can keep the deluded fools that are just basically, you know, breeding stock uh, pacified and happy. And and how do you keep those people from burning out and being like, you know what, we're just going to steer this into the nearest sun? (laughs) Well, that's Which I guess question. that would that would be pretty hard in interstellar space. <laughs> or I guess the question would be, how would you keep them from just venting the entire craft to space? Yeah, or or just yeah, uh, I I don't know. So you're right. You definitely have to have some sort of hierarchy with people who know about what's going on, mm-hmm. because, like you said, how do you maintain the ship? Um, <laughs> I don't know how you convince those people. It, it would have to be a selection process. Like the people from the previous generation before they got too old and started to die or whatever, um, they would have to hand select the next people in that uh, top level of hierarchy. To like bring them into the fold? Yeah, yeah. You couldn't just say, okay, these kids born now are going to be part of it. Uh, even even that's risky because it seems like you would have to be deadly sure that the next generation you pick is not going to pull a Neo, right? Okay, and like and choose the right hand door instead of the left hand door, you know? Yeah. I, I'm wondering if w- this wouldn't be a v- great place to engineer a religion Scientology style. <laughs> oh boy. Because yeah, then, then so so the first generation has to be complicit, right? Uh-huh. Sure. Um they and all know they're boarding a ship. <laughs> they all know they're boarding a ship, and they're the non-deluded people, but they're going to intentionally teach their children uh, about this religion where they're on the starship and they've got a, a priest class that you know is, is the ones that maintain the systems, and you've got worker classes that assist them. And then, you you know, it's like you could get this to where you, know, you can't question the law and you can't question the meaning the purpose, and if you do, you're executed – um, oh, man, you're running a tight ship, apparently. dude. It has to be. I mean, you're talking about these middle generations are human machinery. Oh, and, I don't want to live on your generation ship. I don't. That's what I, I'm I don't saying. Be any generation on your generation ship. I'm saying that it's dark. It's like I, it's been it keeping is, me yeah. up at night thinking about how you could do this non-exploitatively. <laughs> and I'm uh-huh. thinking, okay, well, maybe another thing is you you basically tell them most of the truth. But this gets dark too pretty quick. So so <laughs> maybe what you tell them is that uh, instead of this doing one long 20-light-year trip, it's going to make smaller, faster-than-light hops even though they don't know this is happening. And like every so many years, like may- maybe like every three years the ship is going to stop and people over, over the age of 50 
are going to bo- board the landing craft. <laughs> oh, and, no. And the younger people are going to go on because they've got, you know, the, the, they planned this to where everybody's going to reach their destinations at the right age. So yeah, what's that Ewan McGregor uh, movie, The Island? Is that oh, yes, The Island. Yeah. With, uh, yeah, him and, and that one girl. Or you could do – that's another one. You could do just a straight-up lottery style, but you're still playing the percentages of the stuff. But basically these people board what they think is a shuttlecraft, but it's actually like a meat rendering plant or something. I don't know because then you get uh, a little – Are you little, talking about Soylent Green? Is you that get where a, you're going? You get a little Soylent Green action in that, uh, that thing as well. No, I want no part of your ship. This is no good. <laughs> well, do you think – is there a non-exploitive way to make something like that happen other than having like some kind of utopian where it's seen as a noble sacrifice? And I, I think that's the only way. And even then, uh, you're going to end up with people who don't want to do it. Yeah, like what's what's the odds? And you've and, got and he, to take them out before they can influence everybody else, right? Yeah, the, year, the, the, the odds of a thousand-year journey that there's going to be – like a period of unrest that threatens to upend the whole apple cart, right? Think think of the last thousand years of humanity. No shit. <laughs> a shit thousand has... years in essentially a prison yeah. is going to be horrible. It's going to be way worse than what we had here. But on the other hand, that's what the planet Earth is, right? It's just a big rock of a spaceship that's hurtling through. Yeah, with, that's true. With, with, but, with but no it's a real. With no real point in your life. I mean, you know, ultimately, uh, unless you subscribe to one of the world's great religions, life is ultimately kind of pointless. And we kind of manage we we kind of manage that by ignoring it, right? Sure, sure. You don't think about like uh, you know the fact that if you live or die, the rest of the universe, ninety nine point nine 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 percent of it's not going to give a shit. No, man, I've got some weird ideas about the universe and humanity's role in it, but we can talk about that another time. Right on, right on. Well, I think do we do we feel like we've squeezed enough juice out of this topic? Yeah, I mean, I, I think no matter how you slice it, it's it's a difficult problem to solve, and it may come down to one day we have to do it. You know, right? Well, I mean, it's it would be a tr- that's the thing. Only the first generation gets to make the choice, so it's yeah. like it's it's not like you can. Um, I mean, unless you have some kind of really advanced cryogenics and automation, you're never going to get away from that problem with a generational starship. Yeah, I, I think cryogenics is probably the best way to. And then it's to go then it's no that. then it's no longer a generational starship either. So true. Um, but anyway, like I said, it kind of captured my imagination, uh, and it's still something I'm kind of uh, I've given a lot of thought of. I've it's it's kind of got the the whole national. Uh, novel writing month juices flowing. Like I might try to take a stab at NaNoWriMo this month, this year All with right. the generational starship idea. Cause you could do like several chapters of each generation and you could see yeah, how yeah. things are sliding into madness and then maybe they recover and do they eventually get there? It would be, it's, it's a really, really interesting idea. I'm picturing a lot like uh Battlestar Galactica. Cause I mean, you kind of dealt with a lot of those issues in that yeah. show. Like, uh, I mean, Gaius does his old religion thing and, you could, yeah. you could base it kind of that's, on that. That's another approach. You could actually still um, evolve, uh, involve uh, diluting the populace, but you could make the, an external threat. Like, you know, you True. could invent like a Cylons that are they're following you that would, that would keep people in line because they're afraid, you know, they don't have too, too long to think about how bad their lives are because, you know, if you stop moving, you're going to get killed. Yeah, and, and the, the idealistic sort of uh, clashes that would come up, like... Okay, you've got your one religion that everybody's supposed to believe in, but what happens when another guy starts a different one? Right. You know? Right That'd on. That'd be interesting. 
Okay, what's your first topic? Uh, my first topic is a uh, question I saw on Reddit, um, which I think fits in line with what the personal arrogance love to talk about. Okay. Animals. They love <laughs> right. animals. Uh, especially, sperm, especially sperm whales. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, so the question was, what animal, other than a spider, because it's already been done, would you like to be bit by to gain its powers? And I know if... If this were Eric, he'd say a sperm whale because, you know, like big dicks and you can hold your breath underwater forever. <laughs> right. He'd be all about that. Uh, but what what animal would you want to be bit by to gain its powers? Wow. Um, and and I, I don't think it's like – with Spider-Man, he doesn't grow a whole bunch of legs or anything, right? Like he doesn't take on the form of the animal. Right. But he gets like its ability to spin webs and its ability to uh, – be super strong, like lift more than, than its body weight and all that stuff. Uh-huh. Uh, so it doesn't really change your form. It just makes you have their capabilities. Okay. I've got an idea. So and I, like, so, so can, you, can you do a bird? Like if it doesn't change your form, can you even do a bird? Because uh, the ability to fly. Yeah. You can go with like a, on its form. You could go with like an archangel, you know, where he's got natural wings and he can fly with that. And he's got hollow bones. But okay, see, still... I was going to say uh, a peregrine falcon because they're super fast and they're like sure. top, near the top of the food chain on the bird uh, or in the air. I wouldn't want to be like a pigeon. That'd be stupid. I'd just get eaten immediately. But you can shit on everything all the time. That's kind of cool. <laughs> super shitting power. <laughs> <laughs> well, the other thing you get with the peregrine falcon is you get the super binocular vision. Exactly. Yep. So it's like you get a little bit other, uh, you know, razor sharp talons. You get some arguably good superpowers with that. Definitely. Uh, but I, obviously the main one is flight. I mean, that's, right. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Um, so I've been watching this series, this YouTube series. It's, it's it's a very funny take on a nature documentary where they've got, like, someone that sounds like uh, Morgan Freeman narrating them. Um, it's, it's called the True Facts series. Um, and they got, like, true facts about the hedgehog, true facts about the praying mantis. And they're always done in this very dry analytical style. But And they're, they're t- talking true facts about the animals, but they're so outrageous that they're kind of funny. Um, okay. But they, the one I just watched last night was the naked mole rat. Okay. <laughs> and, okay. and, and they make them seem like that they're the closest things you can get to super, super human because um, they're for all intents and purposes, they're immortal. Uh, well, they, how does they, that work? I don't know that there's, there's a certain type of gene. I forget what it what it's called, but it basically is responsible for aging, and you know because aging is basically copying errors when your cells multiply and divide, and they get worse and worse at it until you start getting things like cancer, and your skin gets saggy, and your hair falls out, and you know you just your shit just wears out and breaks down. It doesn't doesn't copy perfect. Um, they don't have that problem. They are immune to all. They they don't get cancer. They're immune to most diseases that affect mammals. Um, they've got uh, they've got really crazy adaptions for digging. Like uh, they their teeth grow on the outside of their lips, so they can chew with their lips closed. So that makes uh, digging suck less. <laughs> okay. Um, they are they're still mammals, but their temperature they don't use energy to keep themselves warm or or, or the, the, to cool themselves off or to warm themselves. They just use the ambient temperature of the dirt. So. I could get be I could get behind an immortal, ageless, diseaseless 
uh, naked mole rat man that can just tunnel thing underground and build the vast underground fortresses. Um, yeah. yeah. So I like the idea of underground fortresses because that's somewhere where the humans probably aren't going to seek you out. Oh yeah, I mean it's you. You've got your built-in Batman layer. You just you know, and if yeah. if uh, your arch nemesis blows it up, you just you know go to next state over and start it all over again. <laughs> and if you don't get a mouthful of dirt in the process, that's awesome. Yeah, and I've always, ever since I've been a little kid, I've always been kind of fascinated with underground layers. Like I like caves and mm-hmm. spelunking. I actually seriously thought about buying an old abandoned Minuteman missile silo because the government was selling them off for like a pittance 10 years ago uh, in like Wyoming and Montana and the Dakotas. You could actually buy this giant – it was like 20 acres of land and a missile silo that was like six stories deep and 30 foot across and had these underground storage tanks and huge supplies of water and all this 50s era computer technology and I'm like – Man, if you get that and sink a couple hundred thousand dollars into it, you could make a sweet ass, you know, super villain layer. Sure. And yeah. for that that strongly appeals to me for some reason. I don't know if it's because it's some a social asshole or what. <laughs> um, is there an option because be- you're a mole rat waiting to happen? <laughs> is there an option to be bit by both a peregrine falcon and a naked mole rat? Because no, then, no, 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 no. Then you get your powers combined. Yeah, you can't fly and dig underground. No way. Mm. That's cheating, man. Mm. Okay, I suppose I suppose you're right. Um, a bat would be pretty good, too, because you get the powers of flight and echolocation. Yeah, you lose sight, though, right? You're not going to... No, I think, I think bats can see. They're just in the dark a lot. Uh, I've, never, I've never heard well, I of people... I guess they can see. I, I don't think they have spectacular vision. That's for sure. That's probably true. And, you know, you could be the Batman, which, you know, I understand that's kind of cliched, but. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. You got anything else on that topic? No, we're good on that. Okay. So traditionally, the uh, Eric and Jesse do their mid-show break, and it's either like a trivia show um, or they've done scat, scat, categories. We want to go way back in the archives and do one of our personal favorites where they did uh, the magic card reading. And the conceit is they're like senators on the floor of the Senate, and they're filibustering some law. And they've, <laughs> they've, they've finished the phone book. They've read the unabridged works of Tolkien. Uh, they're now just opening up Magic the Gathering packs and reading the, the stats off the, the cards uh, as a part of their filibuster. So who do you want to start, me or you? Uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and start. All right. I'm going to get my card out while you are doing that. So, uh, yeah, I got, I, I've got a terrible Boston accent. It, it often turns into uh, Australian, and it often <laughs> turns into New York. So yeah. I, I, I don't know, man. We'll give it Who's a shot. Who's to say? You could be the senator from New York. <laughs> senator from New York. No, no, it's always a senator from Massachusetts, right? It, it always is, but, I mean, yeah. shit, we're, we're not exactly doing everything their way. So no, this no, is no, a tribute. Don't. This is a tribute, not a slavish copy. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I'm going to try to do the Massachusetts one. Uh, ladies and gentlemen of the Senate, uh, I have a very important concern to bring before you uh, this <laughs> evening before we continue uh, our debate, and it's called Jesse and Bombgiver. It's one colorless, one white, one blue, it's, uh, a creature, it's a human cleric, 
And uh, the, the card text reads, prevent the next one damage that had been dealt to target creature or player this turn. <laughs> target creature <laughs> is unblockable this turn. Uh, you got to tap for both of those, so, you know. <laughs> and uh, it says, also, you have two choices. Heed my advice now, uh, need my healing later. <laughs> so... That's it, man. That's my best. That's my best shot. It was so fucking terrible. That, uh, That's I appreciate the Sen- I, I appreciate the Senator from, uh, Southern Australia's, uh, comments, uh, as we consider, uh, the full <laughs> spectrum of, of the debate, uh, that we need to have before this very important law passes. Uh, I would like to add to his words, uh, Rafiq of the Mini. He is casted with one colorless mana, one green, one white, one blue. He is a legendary creature, particularly a human knight, and a mythic rare, I might add, to add to the gravity and the seriousness of the situation. He is exalted. Whenever a creature you control attacks alone, that creature gets plus one, plus one until the end of turn. I think that's very important as I stand alone against... The uh, this August body, as we consider this very important mana. Whenever a creature you control attacks alone, it additionally gains double strike until the end of turn. His flavor text reads: Many seagulls, sigils, even one purpose. <laughs> indeed, Rafiq. Indeed, he has an attack of three and a body of three. I think if we can agree on nothing else, we can agree that this is. A pretty good pretty card. Pretty good card. Pretty good card. All right. Oh, jeez. <laughs> that was terrible. I th- yeah. <laughs> but I, I hope it was at least funny. I think we did. I think we did the concept justice. All right. See, I, I was going for the Kevin Costner Southern Australia Boston accent. That's what uh, I was saying. So for my next topic, uh, and this is kind of a little bit of a Facebook roundup issue, too, Um there was a one of the the boys listeners uh wanted to know my thoughts on the superman movie uh the the new man of steel uh eric uh talked at length i think it was last week or maybe it was the the week before um about you know his thoughts and how he liked it um and i'm trying to find out who actually submitted this question so i can give him credit but um so have you seen it yet jim no, I haven't seen it at all. Okay. Um, it was uh, Angela. Angela is the, the the person. I actually got the sex wrong even. Um, I would say that I, I actually, from the previews, thought it looked pretty good. Oh, I was super excited. I'm, I'm, a, I'm not really a fan of Superman the comics. I am a Justice League fan. I'm not really a fan of his standalone adventures. Um, okay. But I definitely like Superman. Um, I liked the Donner movies. I actually didn't mind the Superman uh, Returns 2006 reboot. Um, but I did not like the Man of Steel. And there's a lot of reasons. There's going to be a lot of spoilers I have to because I have to kind of talk in particular. This is kind of a problem I'm having um, with movies in general today, which I feel like they're too long. And... I'm not saying that, like, I don't have the attention span to go over, like, a 90-minute film. Uh, I think a film should be as exactly as long as it needs to be to actually do its job. 
Yeah. But I feel like ever since, you know, the success of the Lord of the Rings movies, um, where, you know, kind of demonstrated that people will sit around for a two and a half hour to a three hour movie and it rake in big bucks that movie film, uh, the filmmakers have incorrectly drawn from that, that that's a good thing that a length of movie in, in itself is, is good. Oh, and certainly it, Peter Jackson did. Yeah. Now well, at, because look at the freaking Hobbit. Yeah. That was way too long. And, and there's, and what I don't, what I don't understand is there's a lot of fans that are still loving these movies, even though they are too long to be in my mind effective. Um, like it's really cool to see a nice CG battle CGI battle sequence. I get really bored when that one sequence has gone on for twenty minutes. Uh, you know, Transformers be- two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like it's not furthering the plot. Like the plot is about this particular conflict, but you know, it's a binary question. The guys either win or lose. And no matter how many limbs you tear off or how many guys fall off bridges or how many arrows get shot in an orc, we're just basically waiting to see, especially for stuff like the Hobbit, where it's a foregone conclusion. We're just waiting to see how it ends. And you, for me, my interest is not held by like, you really like tapioca pudding. Well, I made you a gallon of it. So you must really, really like this, this gallon of tapioca pudding. Like, no, I want, I want to switch to chocolate and I want to get some pineapple chunks in there and I want some cherries on top. Uh, and, and Man of Steel, the last third of that movie is essentially one long battle of Superman punching people. Ah, uh, really? And just when you think it's over, there's a bonus 15 minute sequence of him punching just one dude. <laughs> and, and the other thing is he is devastating metropolis like 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 9-11's got nothing on it we're talking city blocks ravaged the death toll has to be in the hundreds of thousands if not millions mm-hmm. and to me that's not a superman move like superman would have taken this shit to the moon superman would have took the shit in orbit superman would have taken this to the north pole he would have taken it to some like the bikini island at- atoll he would have done something to preserve the population of the city and of the planet that he loves. And it seems like there wasn't even thought of that. It's like there wasn't even a scene of like rubble going towards a school bus for all children and Superman diverting his <laughs> attention to, to, to save that problem. It was just like, oh, it's really cool to see Superman kick guys through buildings. So let's just have entire buildings demolished when that stuff happens. And it so- goes on forever, man, forever. This is- this is not a case of like um the greater good sort of thing where okay so I know the movie is about Zod. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously everyone knows that now that they've seen it. Um this is not a case of like he needs to stop these guys and it doesn't matter the cost to this city because they're more evil than that. Well no, for sure they have to be stopped, okay? Because they're trying okay. to turn they're they're terraforming plant the the planet Earth into Krypton, which is oh. going to have Okay, <laughs> which is going to have the side effect of killing everyone. Okay, so there's that. I mean, a small price to pay to save the planet, right? Yes, yes. So, but on the also, other hand, does he have the option to choose where to fight, or are they is is he just going to them to where they are? Well, they they need. Okay, so they need Superman because he's got embedded in his DNA. Oh well, then done. He goes to the moon. They have to fall exactly him. right. Okay. 
Um, I mean, and, and the other thing is like, you are in Superman's lane. Okay. So it's your job as a filmmaker to, to come up with a plot where maybe, um, genocide doesn't have, have to happen. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and, and the other thing is he eventually banishes all these people to the phantom zone, except for Zod escapes. Oh they have a 15 minute punch fest. And at the end, <laughs> Superman snaps his neck and murders him. Like, okay. you cannot totally fuck up a character worse. Um, it would be approximately <laughs> like the, the Batman for the climax of a Batman film pulling out a revolver and shooting the villain right in the face in cold blood. Yeah. Hmm. Like, he and they, they make it justified, and he has this 15-second Kryptonian death scream because he's so overwrought about what he had to do. But it's like, it, 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 it fucks up the character, man. And... At that point, mm. after I had already watched 30 minutes of senseless uh, CGI violence, I was just like, wow, that is, that's the ultimate insult, Zack Snyder. Like, mm. it's, it's like, I don't care what you did with his underwear, you know. And that's the other <laughs> thing. As I'm, I'm watching, like, the making of these movies, and they're all talking about how, like, well, you know, you obviously can't have the man's underwear on the outside of his costume. That's ridiculous. It pulls you right out of the film. And I'm like... <laughs> Really? That's, that's the biggest what pulls you out. That's the biggest problem with Superman's realism. The man wears red underwear on the outside of his costume. <laughs> yes, apparently he's plugging he's plugging in a twenty thousand year old uh, USB drive into a twenty thousand year old Krypton sh- Krypton ship to, to drive it around. Nobody has a problem with that. But underwear, ooh, that would just take me right out of the fucking film. Oh, completely. It's it's I don't know, man. Um, I actually well, really I liked it. it. So. Yeah, I actually really like the first half of it. Um, you know, it has a good origin story. You know, the the acting, like, what's his name? James Cavill. Uh, he is a really good Superman. And uh, the, the uh, crazy dude from uh, uh, Boardwalk Empire, uh, Michael, what's his name? Like Michael Madsen or something? Uh, no, he's a, no, it's not Madsen. <laughs> anyway, he's a really good, uh, he's a really good General Zod. And... You know, again, if you could have just banished them both, uh, you banished the whole lot to the Phantom Zone, that would have could have kept that plot going, uh, and it would have dispensed with a, a 15 minute s- sequence of punching that we were already tired of seeing, and it wouldn't have made s- for Superman to murder one of his fellow Kryptonians in, I guess, yeah. hot blood. It's not cold blood. It's 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 hot blood. <laughs> but I just and it, there again at the end because what happened is Zod was basically saying. I'll never stop killing humans as he's using his laser vision. Like Superman's got him in headlock and he's got his laser vision. He's trying to burn. (laughs) He's trying to burn a multicultural, multiracial family of four to death at some museum. (laughs) And like the the laser beams are like feet from this family. And Superman's like, he doesn't know what to do. So he just snaps the dude's neck, you know? And I'm like, you're Superman. You could have just shoved your legs into the ground and took this into orbit you could have put your you could have covered his his hands with your eyes. You could have told the family that that has watched his laser beam advancing towards them for forty five seconds <laughs> to move. You know, get out uh, of the way. Move left. I'm gonna take him right. You could you have think it's gonna take him a while. If that's his strategy, it's gonna take him a while to destroy humanity. Uh, he's yeah, just burning he's gonna, families of four one at a time. And again, like, like I'm, I can't, un, I can't stress enough how many hundreds of thousands of people have died in this movie already. Yeah, you know, uh, 
So like, you know, Superman draws the line at these guys. So did, did did the other two guys go flying off in those uh, those two dimensional diamonds? Oh, well, was, the, first of the all, Phantom was, Zone is? no, the Phantom Zone was not so much uh, like 70s uh, record yeah. album floating through space. It was more uh, of like a, um, a cryogenic ship that they were imprisoned on and they had the Phantom Drive, which is like this uh, faster than light interdimensional ah. technology that they were just going to be stuck in and then get out 50, 50 years later. Um, and there's a lot of hoo-ha to that, but there's actually a whole Kryptonian army and there was like... You know, a platoon of Kryptonians uh, stomping around Earth. Okay, so I Russell Crowe is actually really good in this movie. He is. He's another yeah. one of the cast that, uh, and Diane Lang as uh, Superman's uh, adoptive Earth mother is really good. Um, and there's a really great sequence of him as a little boy, like first day of school, and he's freaking out because he's never been around that many people, and he's seeing through their skin, and he can hear conversations from miles away, and he's acting like a, like an autistic child on a bad day, and yeah. you know she has to kind of talk him down from that and it's just they had so much good stuff and it's like we are out of ideas so you know what 45 minutes of cgi punching coming up (laughs) yeah yeah i I don't like that stuff either yeah it's just it's just feels it's so expensive but it somehow comes across as as feeling cheap really Um, i wish eric were here to defend his position or at least i'd seen it so i could play devil's advocate but i can't yeah. Can't do any of that. Well, so that's my second topic, uh, rebuttal of his review of uh, The Man of Steel. Uh, what's your second okay. topic, Jim? Uh, so I, I wanted to bring up something I was thinking about the other day. Uh, so we were doing our podcast, our Mad Men podcast. We got finished, and it, it takes a while. It was a long one. Um, uh-huh. And I, uh, I had been storing up my urine for a good two hours. <laughs> You're now, doing this topic. Bathroom. You're really doing, doing this topic. I'm, I'm doing this topic. Oh, We're wow. totally going to do it. It's our show, man. We get to do whatever we want. <laughs> this is so, your show. I am disavowing any involvement. I don't have to do the topic if you don't want to. <laughs> no, do the topic. All right. I'm bringing it. Uh, so I go to the bathroom, and I take the what I consider is the longest pee ever on uh, ever on the books. Right, like you get bored halfway through, and I'm like, I wish yeah. this was – it's like the Man of Steel of pisses. <laughs> exactly. All so that's I'm left just... is free to snap General Zod's neck. <laughs> <laughs> and be done with it. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I, I got to thinking while, while I was, you know, in the middle of it, thinking, you know, how would I prepare if I were in a competition for the longest uh, piss ever? Is that a thing? You know, I've seen – so I've seen uh, Japanese, I guess, game shows. I don't know, where they see who can hold it the longest, and it's like just a bunch of dudes standing around in diapers waiting to piss themselves. Of course. Of course they are. <laughs> of course. So – I assume if that is a thing, then this has to be a thing as well. Okay. Like, how long of a piss can you take? So I was thinking, how would I prepare for it? Um, certainly, hydration is important, right? Yeah. I mean, hydration is probably the most important, but you can't hydrate rapidly. You have to hydrate slowly over over many days. If I if I know anything, uh, if I learned anything from that Ewan McGregor movie with him in the desert, uh, Men Who Stare at Goats, that you uh-huh. got to stay hydrated. Uh, and you got to do it slowly. So you drink uh, small amounts of water throughout the, over the course of like a week okay. to really get your hydration up. So that's that's step one. Step two, obviously, I mean, you have to be able to fill, truly fill your bladder, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you don't have a full bladder, you might as well not show up. Uh, so y- you have to 
Yeah, there, there's a fine art here where you have to learn how to take a number two without taking a number one so that you can uh, kind of slim down what's in your gut so your bladder has more room to expand, right? Hmm. Yeah, okay. I mean, that's a skill. That's a skill that you can practice and harness for this competition. <laughs> so that, that's, that would be the two things I would do. I mean, hydration and uh, significant bladder expansion via gut reduction. Okay. That's what I'm thinking. Do you have any other ideas? So are we are there any rules? Like I assuming you can't no. just you can't just like put a cath you can't like put an internal catheter to that pumps water through your bladder, right? No, like, because like, that's not your body. Can that's, can I hook an can I hook IVs to myself? Uh no. No external fluids uh during the competition. Hmm. hmm. Okay. All right, so I think that I would get several gallons of water, and I would sure. I would just be drinking all day. Yep, yep, yep. You know, um, like just just sipping because because I'm trying to basically load my body with like five to ten pounds of water weight. Okay, Definitely. and and those and those kidneys are going to 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 pull, and I'm going to I'm going to hold my pee until it's painful. Okay, until it's yeah. it's, it's it's so painful that I honestly can't go. And then I'm going to pinch off the tip of my dick. <laughs> and I'm going okay. to relax whatever inner sphincter is in your bladder and allow uh-huh. that whole system of plumbing to fill. Because you've already stretched your bladder to the, to the breaking point, right? Yeah, but, yeah. But, so you but want you, the full you, expansion. You need to get your urethra. I imagine it's got two or three times expansion. So, so I'm going yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm to let that happen. And also that's going to – because <laughs> – because I can I can keep that thing pinched and for for probably I got longer muscle control in my hands than mm-hmm. I do in my bladder. So that's my kidneys are still going to be dumping water into my bladder this whole time, and it's yep. it's it's going to be super freaking painful. No, so here's the thing: I I would suggest taking a lot of painkillers as well, Ooh. so that you can allow it to expand more than the guy next to you who's not. Good good point. Good point. Yeah. Um, something that doesn't involve muscle or relaxation, of course, it's just gotta be, <laughs> of course, it's just gotta be some kind of, uh, you know, uh, general pain, non-narcotic pain relief. Um, mm-hmm. cause the narcotics might weaken your resolve to, to actually undo this to yourself. And, and the key thing <laughs> is you, you want to unpinch like to, to, cause, because you don't want to burst your bladder and then die of sepsis, right? That does uh, not sound fun. You, you you want to you you basically want to let go like thirty to sixty seconds before that would actually happen before you're going to rip. So like right mm. as you feel something maybe starting to let go inside of you, oh. and and here's here's the here's the key, okay? Here's okay. the key. You, you you can't just let go of the tip. That's a rookie move because then it's just going to just come out like a fucking fire hose, and that's going to rob you gotcha. of your of your. We're not talking quantity. We're talking duration, right? Yes. So you just want to crack that thing open. So you've got this high, <laughs> low volume, high pressure jet <laughs> coming out, and you milk. I just that. hope you're aimed in the right direction when it starts. Well, that Otherwise, wasn't that high pressure that, jets going that, across that, the room. That wasn't a part of the deal. I thought we were just out in, like outside, you know. Really? So you can turn the hose on the guy next to you? Ooh. Um, That's no good. Again, Make him lose his concentration. Again, I blame you for not well establishing the rules of this competition. 
All right, um, so, so beforehand, that's part of your training, right? Learning how to take piss in the face without losing your concentration. I, I would think that in this in this format, uh, the the no the basically street. This is the street version of the the longest p rules. Sure. Um, and and the, but yeah, you just use and you just you got a husband. You got a husband that p stream to gradually let go of the pressure so you can maintain the p stream for the longest time possible. I sense an Ed Norton movie coming up called uh, Piss Club. Piss Club. Yeah. <laughs> Wiz Club. I can see the poster already. <laughs> um, yeah, and the tagline's like more than two shakes, and you're playing with it. Um, <laughs> so, and you could you could do that. You could obviously do that routine over the course of several months to stretch out your bladder yep, and, yep. into truly epic sizes. But I think that's the key that you have to. You can't use your internal sphincter alone. It's not strong enough. But you can clamp down on your hand. Now, I don't know. Can ladies do an equivalent? Of clamping down? Yeah, like can they like grab some folds down there and just squeeze as hard? A <laughs> Rod revealing his true understanding so, of the female anatomy. Somewhere, D Candlish is either, uh, she's either switched <laughs> this off or she's going to type a reply about how this is is possible. But well, I mean, th- th- I'm familiar. Goal. I'm familiar with the anatomy down there, and I, I feel like yeah, you could you could you could you could do something with the folds and and, and somehow maintain the pinching, but you're not going to have as long as a urethra. Yeah, yeah. You know, and there again, if you if you're like a uh, if you're a shower, not a grower, you got you got a natural advantage because you got that nice long ripe banana to work with. <laughs> Extra what two two and a half inches there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't, we're not talking oh, about record breaking penis length here, Jim. Come on now, <laughs> two or three inches—that's a monster. <laughs> all right i think we've uh no pun intended milked that for all it's worth uh let's uh, let's keep going okay uh what is next i've i've got to let me consult the uh guys we have a lot of questions from people on facebook we did i just want to make sure that's where we're supposed to be at uh oh yeah the ball move promotion we can do that um so if you enjoyed this uh you'd like to get in some quality television uh podcasting jim and i actually hold down the fort over at baldmove.com we've got uh Coverage of Mad Men, we got coverage of Game of Thrones, we got Walking Dead, Justified. Um, Tom and Kelly do Downton Abbey and some other Edwardian uh, television series are taking a thing and another crack at Titanic right now. Um, yeah. We've got uh, Eric and Jesse, of course, on Personal Arrogance, that you're familiar with. Also, if you haven't tried Amy, Gerilyn, and Susan's show, The Because Show, you really have to. They are on fire. They talk about books, they talk about cosmetics, they talk about real life shit uh they're extremely funny extremely talented i highly recommend everyone go over to baldmove.com and give that a whirl um i think that's enough also we've got about seven days left on our breaking good kickstarter uh eric is actually working on some swanky t-shirt designs for that uh you can get those at the 30 dollars promotion level and they're going to be one of a kind Breaking Bad themed Kickstarter commemorative T-shirts. Once this is over, there'll be no way to get them. We're not going to be selling them in the stores or anything like that. So uh, check that out and help us make Breaking Good better this year. Um, you can get in touch with uh, the Personal Arrogance guys. I know we didn't read any feedback, but uh, they're going to be going to be starving for it next week. At personalarrogance at gmail dot com. Uh, you can follow them on Twitter at Personal Podcast. Um, you can follow them on Facebook at, uh, facebook.com slash bald move, or I think slash personal arrogance as well. And also, uh, you can give them a shout out on, f- uh, voicemail three, six, oh, three, six, two, double O two, four. 
And as always, they uh, appreciate their rate and review on iTunes. Um, next stop, I think, is a Facebook Roundup. So let me go over to where I've archived that stuff, and we'll start cherry-picking some stuff. Uh, Josh Perigo wants to know, should I bother to start watching Falling Skies, or should I just listen to a podcast about a piece-of-shit television show? <laughs> uh, yeah, Josh, I see what you did there. Uh, I would say neither. Don't If you haven't started watching the show, probably don't start. It's not that good. Uh, I, I have continued watching it because I started watching it and it's not that bad either. Mm. Um, and as far as the podcast goes, I do that because I'm watching it. So take it or leave it, man. Sam G asks, is it worse than a punch in the face to lose your iPhone charger or equivalent? Uh, well, it depends on how long it depends on where you are. Like if you're hike, if you're backpacking through Columbia or something, yeah, it's pretty bad. Not a lot of Apple stores around there. Mm. Uh, if you have easy access to an Apple store, it's not so bad. So I'd say, depending on location, worse than a punch in the face. Um, as a Droid user, I don't understand this question because I can just go to a damn near any store in any part of the world and get a micro USB cord and be good to go. So. <laughs> Uh, definitely, yeah. I would rather be not punched in the face than that. Um, let's see here. Uh, we had some questions for Improv Rick and Lori uh, Walking Dead skit. I don't know that we can do that on this much notice. Ooh. Um, uh, uh, can I even do a Rick right off the cuff? Uh, <laughs> Lo- Lori, so- Carl, Carl, ever since your death, you've been haunting me. I don't oh, I know do how to Lori. go. I don't know how to go on without the loss of you two. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't. I. I, I don't All know right. if I can do it. <laughs> Those usually take like a couple hours of writing, believe it or not. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, to, to make them. To make them not. Good. To make them not suck. Yeah. But uh, gave, gave gave you a little taste there. Um. Let's see. Oh, D. Speaking of D. Candlish, which uh, I can't wait to hear your uh, urethral strategies on the longest peeing competition uh what are some movies that aaron and jim think are underrated and should be seen like not the blockbuster and superhero movies everyone knows about but the little ones that fly under the radar oh so i know that uh people who are familiar with personal arrogance are probably going to already have heard about this uh but i feel like i must mention it because if eric were here he definitely would that's attack the block Mm. Uh, kind of a one that definitely flew under my radar until I heard them talk about it and I went and watched it and it's really good. Really good. Uh, I got a couple of recommendations. Uh, Equilibri- Equilibrium. Yeah. Christian which Bale. is, which is a great Christian Bale right before it became a megastar movie, uh, science fiction, dystopian, 1984 type society with awesome action scenes. Um, gun kata gun kata. Uh, I also recommend Gattaca. That's something that came out uh, in the, I think, late 90s or early 2000s with Ethan Hawke and Jude Law and Uma Thurman uh, that I find – I thought it was amazing at the time, but I just recently rewatched it, and I'm, I was freshly amazed at how prescient the movie seems because there's a lot of stuff about genetic engineering and um you know dna sequencing and sampling that i'm finding is intruding into our everyday life and i can totally see that kind of tracking uh you got any others uh yeah one that i watched maybe a few months ago 
Uh, it's from 2009. It's just called Moon, and it's a film with Sam Rockwell yeah. and Kevin Spacey. Uh, I don't want to spoil the plot. It's it's very dependent on its plot to be effective. So I'll just leave it at that. It's a very interesting sci-fi movie. Mm. Uh, another really good sci-fi movie that I watched uh, was co- is called Primer. Have you seen this? I have not seen that one. Okay, this is like a super low-budget uh, indie film. These guys made it. Uh, I think it's three dudes made it, wrote it, directed it, produced it, everything, for like $5,000. Uh, but it has astonishingly good production values for that budget. And it's a time travel movie. And it, so if you're a fan of like Aaron Sorkin type stuff, like uh, the social network or newsroom or West Wing or anything, it moves very quickly. It has that fast pace to it, like all of his stuff does. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a lot of very technical stuff and the plot is very twisty. So uh, you kind of have to really pay attention to it, but I think it's totally worth a watch called primer cool um i think we did justice with that topic um one other recommendation to d uh if you like baz lerman films one of his first ones he made was uh, called strictly ballroom it's a kind of his fantastic comedic take on ballroom dancing in new zealand that (laughs) i think uh, you would enjoy if you like uh, like moulin rouge and some of the other stuff it's it's low budget but well done and and very funny and uh, kind of poignant too uh, what about the Crank movies? Yeah, I actually had yeah. If you haven't seen the Crank, um, and you want a balls out, hilarious action movie with jaw dropping camera work and Jason Statham, um, but it's over the top. It's border- It's offensive <laughs> as hell. Um, take, you know, I, I can't recommend it. But I do highly enjoy those movies. And every once in a while, I'll live tweet watching them, which I always enjoy. Which I don't know if people know this, but they can follow me at DCI Griefer. DCI Dick Clark International uh, Griefer. Um, uh, And and if you you like to follow me, I just like to post random funny shit. Um, Let's see. What else we got? Uh... People requesting Mad Brew hosting the guest the Bacaj show. <laughs> that would be interesting. It would be interesting for them to talk like gender dynamics because I think Mad Brew is surprisingly insightful about that, and I think the girls would have fun talking about it. Uh, James F. Cuby wants to know if we have any high recommended sci-fi and/or fantasy novels, either one-offs or series, other than Game of Thrones. So you- I don't read a ton, but the only one that I could recommend is one. That is probably already recommended to everyone on the planet, and that is Ender's Game. Uh, actually, the Ender series up to a point. Yeah, I don't uh, like. I actually don't like um, any like Speaker of the Dead or any of the follow ups. But yeah, uh, a yeah, lot of people I, do. Especially if you are like a teen, a young man or a teenage boy, um, it's basically the Hunger Games for boys. Yeah, I, I mean, I read it when I was in my twenties, and the. I guess the general concept of it has been done enough to where I had pretty much figured it out by the end. Right. Um, but the last chapter of that book has some of the most beautiful writing I have ever seen in a, in a book period. And, and goes to kind of like hard, surprisingly hard sci-fi too. Uh, yeah. Well, th- the last chapter is the one I'm talking about. Yeah. It's, yeah. No, I know what you're talking about. Like, I guess. Yeah. It's sci-fi, but the whole book is sci-fi. <laughs> 
No, but I'm know? talking about it's like a really high concept. Before that, yes. it's, it's, yes, it's it you okay. know, more military sci-fi and like near future sci-fi, I guess. Yeah, laser gun, pew pew type stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I've got a bunch um, stuff I enjoyed reading as a teenager, and I've actually reread recently, and they held up surprisingly well. Because sometimes you read stuff, and it's like, Jesus Christ, I can't believe I like this. But uh, Book of Swords series by Fred Saberhagen. Um, basic plot synopsis is nah, – no, I'm not even going to give it a basic plot synopsis. Uh, read it. Check it out. Uh, the Death Gate Cycle by Margaret Weiss, and I think his name is Terry Hickman. Uh, that's really good. A book of swords is fantasy with some science fiction mixed mixed in. The Deathgate cycle is pure fantasy, and it's got this really awesome conceit where um, the world has been sundered into its like four component elements. You got uh, a world made entirely of air, and a world made entirely of water, a world made entirely of fire. Can you um, bend any of those? No, it's not like Airbender, <laughs> um, okay. but there is like a highly specialized forms of magic that involve. Um, there's like a good good race of magic beings that use singing to manipulate magic, and a uh, a quote unquote bad race uh, uh, that uses like um, um, written glyphs, and they they do tattoo runes of power on their body and do hand signals and stuff to, to manipulate magic. And the story, the protagonist is actually one of the uh, guys from the villain race of magic users. And he starts off kind of like on a quest for revenge, and and it, it's 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 really interesting. And I love I love very well developed systems of magic, like that kind of explain it with a pseudo scientific t- type uh, way. And they do a really good job in that. And finally, uh, the Dresden Files by Jim Butcher. I plugged on various podcasts before. Um, its conceit is a modern day, a uh, real, I guess, a warlock. That is a practicing private eye in Chicago, but nobody knows that magic is real, and nobody knows that monsters and vampires and werewolves are real except for this small community of magic. And it's it's very funny. It's got really great it's it's got really great uh, action, and it's another really well developed system of magic that uh, I think people can kind of geek out over. Uh do you have any recommend? Because now we come to the recommendation part of the cast, uh, which I didn't really prep heavily for. Do you got? Uh, can we kind of toss some recommendations? I've got. Yeah, one. I got a recommendation. Yeah, go for it. Uh, I'd say I know this. This is a heavily beer biased podcast, but I'd say branch out a little, try some whiskey. <laughs> and the the whiskey that I would recommend is uh, actually a bourbon. It's Maker's Forty Six. Hmm. I had that at the bar the other day, and man, that was good. One somebody, of the, the smoothest whiskeys I've ever had. Somebody on the uh, uh, Levi was uh, asking about great party board games to play while drinking a fifth of Whistle Pig. So I think people are kind of on <laughs> okay. that bandwagon already. Um, I've got a recommendation. Go out and see some fireworks tonight. It's the 4th yeah. of July, for Christ's sake. I'm going to go down to the river in Cincinnati and uh, see one of their big shows. So I'm kind of... Stoked about that. You got a secondation? Uh, no secondation. All right. Uh, my secondation for the summer is to go ride some roller coasters, man. Uh, oh, I moved yeah. to Cincinnati. The season passes for Kings Island are ridiculously cheap, and they've got this new steel coaster that's that's like two hundred forty foot drop called the Diamondback that is terrifying and awesome. And I I've, I love riding that thing. I love riding all the coasters at the park. It's, you know, it's like one of those things where 
it's just a pure physical experience. And it's, it's, it, it, I always associate with summertime because my family almost always took a trip to a theme park as one of our little vacations we took during a summer break. And I like uh, doing that uh, uh, tradition now with my, my new family. So plus, you know, the theme parks are really only open in the summer. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> can't really, can't really ride a theme park in the, in the winter. You uh, going yeah. 80 miles an hour down a steel coaster when it's uh, 20 below doesn't have as much appeal. Does it? No. Yeah, so uh, that's we're right at an hour. I feel like that's a that's a good that's a decent cast, a decent mini Healthy. Fourth of July. Yeah, listen on your way to your grand to to your grandma granddad's pool party slash picnic or wherever you're going. Um, yep. Everybody I, stays safe out there. I hope that I've I've turned a few people off to this cast. Maybe we can uh, slowly <laughs> erode their listener base. Yeah, uh, think really, really consider that. How would you win a urine uh, urination contest thing? Really consider that, personal arrogance fans. Just don't, just don't destroy your bladder. I don't want, I don't want a ruptured <laughs> bladder on my hands. I Anything my, that erodes pe- the personal arrogance audience, I'm good with. <laughs> well, they're, they're they're affiliated with us now, so I feel like the the lawsuits would come to our some, somehow to our attention. Maybe all I know is the war is not over. Um, seriously though, I actually really love Eric and Jesse. We're going to go out and spend like almost a week with them in Seattle at the end of August. Oh yeah. Can't wait. Um, so all, uh, show Kabuki aside, thanks for uh, trusting us with your show guys. We had a lot of fun doing it. Um, yeah, it's kind of good to stretch the blue yonder legs again, get a little crazy. A little bit. All right. We'll be back, uh, the podcast in about four or five weeks. With uh, Breaking Good, the boys will be back next week, which I'm sure Jesse will have a full report on the uh, uh, joys of the bonds of matrimony. And Eric will talk about uh, some Fourth of July stuff. And hopefully they'll come back with all their appendages, all their fingers and toes. Uh, and uh, you can get to they'll, they'll get to your feedback next week and all that other good stuff. So hope uh, we're decent stand-ins. And until next time, which who the hell knows when that'll be. I'm your host, Aaron. And I'm Jim. Uh, And remember, no matter where you go or what you do, stay Stay arrogant. arrogant.